Spags, the big board is almost full. Is this Splash Play's final ride in the contest? I mean, it hurts me to think that it might be, but we have some fun stuff to talk about today. Lamar wants a trade. The Colts are the favorite in the betting markets out there. We are, of course, already in a draft on Underdog Fantasy. And let me switch over, Pete, to our fancy new layout. We took the feedback. We took the advice from everybody out there. And now I got to switch the overlays. This is the one thing StreamYard needs to improve. So I need to make it all like one click for me to do this because it said I have to click three different things. Look how Spags, I'm t- Spags, I'm going to tell you right now that people are going to hate this. <laughs> Why? Because they're not going to be able to see like the top of the queue and uh, the picks up there. Like, I, did you watch my best ball breakfast on Monday? Like, the chat was berating me in real time as I tried to find an optimal configuration. I did not see that part. I saw you using the same uh, layout, and I was like, "Oh, Pete got scared. Didn't want to try one of the new ones out." <laughs> no, no, I do have a new one, but it took a lot of workshopping. Uh, also, you you can make the screen, the draft screen, cover the whole thing. But I see you were trying to get the overlay in there i i think the people are going to revolt with this one here's the thing i think this works for the board mm-hmm. the draft board i think it gets annoying when we go to sol- to look at the queue but maybe i'm wrong i'll let the people decide yeah i just saw the feedback from a couple people in particular our boy frankie of course you imagine the possibilities every single day over at the pasta house company um he was saying that like move the screens up and i took it yeah. literally so we have moved the screens up we are getting ready to draft here uh, draft starting because you cannot see that on the screen draft starting in 20 seconds pete and i think it looks good i don't care about seeing like tanner borid in the first spot or humble legend the second spot i just want to see who's picking at that time and then and then see the board well, you need to be the point to even have this work for this show. You need to be on the board like 98% of the time. Oh boy. All right. Well, you know what? We're going to find out. We're going to the board here. We got the board, the board, the board looks fine. Cause we can yeah. see who's drafting and who they take. Also, I will point out spags. Um, your video box is slightly bigger than mine. And I have a real big inferiority complex right now. So I think what happened with that was I did do like the, the same sizing where you could kind of make a copy of it. But yeah. I think we might do different resolutions for hours and StreamYard would previously make it the same size. I don't know, man. It just sounds like you wanted to try to just like big time me, just make your box slightly bigger than mine. Just a real power move from Spags. You'd see like a little star graphic over mine. <laughs> Yours just a poop emoji. Yeah, exactly. Well, everyone knows you're still reeling from the last versus draft where everyone was calling you piggies. You took it on the chin in the chat. You took it on the chin in the Splash Play channel in the Deposit Kingdom Discord. Have you recovered from that traumatic experience? Not only have I recovered, Pete, I've drafted some aggressive zero RB teams since then. I've taken uh, wide receivers for the first eight rounds of a draft. I really overcompensated the other way. And I have to admit, I still feel like my very heavy running back team, lots of draft capital spent there the last time that Pete and I did a head-to-head stream on Friday. Check it out on the channel if you missed it. I think that team is still pretty good. I stand by that. Wow. There you go. Doubling down. They were oinking for you uh, in the chat. Nice to see you just continuing to double down on that ta- on that take. But today, Pete, I think we got a lot of great receivers here. We got Cooper Cup at a value 4.980p. We're getting him in the seven spot. How could we pass? Uh, yeah, I'm definitely down for that. P- people were asking me about this on Monday on my stream of just like, you know, I think there's basically zero concerns with Cooper cup with Matthew Stafford. Do you have any like overall, what's the word systemic risk concerns with the Rams offense with Matthew Stafford, seemingly like always injured or one foot out the door, threatening retirement. Like, how do you think about Cooper cup through that lens? 
So I think Cooper Cup, I mean, I, I uh, the Spags rankings are coming out tomorrow on Football Outsiders. What does that so stand for again? Uh, superior players and great spots together. Okay, yeah. Both I just, them uh, I uh, coming out reminder. tomorrow on Football Outsiders. I think Cooper Cup at this point is more of a great spot than a superior player, especially if you have Allen Robinson shipped out of town. Uh, Tyler Higby, I guess, likely coming back, but still could be a guy that moves on. So I think that he's still in a good spot. I think there's more risk with Matthew Stafford. Like, I actually have a really hard time clicking Matthew Stafford, even if I have Cooper Cup. Uh, mm-hmm. Spine issues, the fact that he is getting older, too. Um, and then enough, you know, whispers around him retiring that I think that is still a risk point. And now they don't have even Baker as the backstop there. But I just think Cooper Cup is just a pure PPR guy who's going to get moved around and be basically their only offensive piece to feature. It's hard to imagine him not getting 10 targets a game, even if they're, like, not 10 as great targets as they were two years ago. Yeah. Yeah, and I just, I kind of, I just have some co- so much confidence in Cooper Cup. And it, if there's one thing McVay has done well, it's scheming Cooper Cup the ball. Mm-hmm. He's not one of these star wide receivers where they're just going to leave him out on an island. And if he's not getting his touches, they just shrug their shoulders and say, hey, we'll throw to other guys. No, like they run their entire offense through him. And uh, I still think he has a year or two of just really high end elite production. And I, I don't necessarily fault anyone for taking Tyreek ahead of him. Diggs ahead of Cooper Cup to me, though, feels like a, a mistake. Yeah, I think so. If we're going to assume Cooper Cup is healthy for an entire year, I could see that. You know, Diggs, again, I do love the EPA stats. Diggs was one of the top receivers at volume in terms of uh, estimated points added last year. So I could see why you could talk yourself into that with Bills being a higher Super Bowl favorite and also Diggs being better on a per-play basis according to advanced analytics. But if we're looking for just pure fantasy upside, like who's going to give you 30 points in Week 17? As long as the Rams are, you know, 7-8 and eight going into Week 15, like Cooper Cup's going to be out there. And I feel like that's the guy that in terms of pure ceiling, like it's probably him and Jefferson as the one a one B I would think, but we're on the clock here. Uh, I think it'd be great to take a receiver here. Pete love Jalen Waddle, love Amon Ross St. Brown. Both those guys would be fantastic. So I love taking Amon Ra in this spot. Um, partly because the way I think about it is generally where Cooper cup and Amon Ra go. It's hard to get both of them together. Because normally Cooper Cup's going a little earlier mm-hmm. in Amon Ra. And so when you get a slight slide on both Cup and Amon Ra, I think it's just a pairing that you're not going to see as much. And I know this is someone who's done a million slow drafts. And I'm like, here's another AJ Brown, Amon Ra team, another, you know, Waddle, Devontae Adams. Like you get funneled toward the same combination. So I get very excited when you get access to a combo that isn't, not that it's impossible. I'm sure other people have that combo, but just slightly less likely than the default ADP funneled combos. That's fair. And I think I've actually taken Cup and Waddle together a few times because I, I always take Waddle when I'm in that range. And I think Waddle kind of makes sense to me as you're not taking Tyree Kill, so you take the lever against Tyree Kill if you are taking receivers in both those spots. Um, but I think with what you're talking about there, I, I agree. I haven't seen a lot of Cup, Amon Ross, St. Brown kind of combinations. And I feel like there are two guys too, like Amon Ross ADP is up quite a bit, but they've kind of lost their luster a little bit in the overall ecosystem where people are more excited to take a Hill, more excited to take Jamar, more excited to take Jefferson. And they're also more excited to take guys besides Amon Ra, like Garrett Wilson, who we see going at the 14th spot once again here. So I think it makes sense. Like both solid players. I like the picks. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to see anything else. Yeah. So the, the team that took digs does stack him up with Josh Allen. That is one of the earliest picks I've seen Jalen hurts go Jalen hurts going at a two, one is uh is a very interesting selection there. 
Well, I know with the underdog ADPs, he's now the third QB off the board, and that hasn't ever seemed right to me. Like, I think he's got the guy who's got the best rushing ceiling plus the pass catching ceiling or pass uh, throwing ceiling, rather, ability to throw the touchdowns to guys like A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith and Dallas Goddard, who's one of the best tight ends in the league, but people kind of sleep on that. So I think Hurts, like, this feels right to me, the order of Hurts, Allen Mahomes. I just don't think any of these guys should go in the second round. I think the QB run should start in the third round if I were going to, like, participate in it. I agree. Um, I think ADP wise, like there's that, there's that tier of running backs, right. And they're going to come off the board right here. The Brees Hall, the Nick Chubb, the Tony Pollard, the Ramondre Stevenson and the Travis Etienne. And then there's the gap to the wide receivers. I do not like at all. The Amari Coopers, the Deandre Hopkins. I know you're a little higher on Amari than me, but it does seem like efficient wise, the quarterbacks would slot in after that running back group and before that wide receiver tier. Like that feels like the natural spot for them, but that's not where they're going. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, also, I got to point out the chat. Chip, of course, roasting me a little bit here, saying Spags would rather take an RB than Cup. I think it sucks, Pete, when you do one draft against you head-to-head. -head, it now undoes an entire summer of me spamming zero RB lineup. Sometimes it's my own detriment, and I don't want to be the RB guy. That is not my brand. That's Sam Sherman's brand now, I think. Oh, yeah. Sam, uh, the, the, the engagement farmer in the uh, the pro RB streets now. I, I, I will say, Spag, you just got to embrace some of these mini villainous turns. You can still go ultimately on the hero's journey while taking a villain detour. You know, at my very first best ball breakfast, I started my draft. Jonathan Taylor, Bijan Robinson got buried by the avalanche. I've been known to rock out while taking Derrick Henry. You got to just kind of embrace it. Um, I will say I love Tony Pollard at this spot. I mean, look, I'd love to take another receiver here, but I don't think Debo and DeAndre are my guys, and I don't want to reach for Cooper knowing you don't like him, so let's go Pollard. And I've seen Pollard, you know, I was just talking about that running back tier that kind of starts with Brees Hall, and you'll now see drafters kind of shuffle these five guys or six guys that you see on the board right here, Hall, Chubb, Henry, Jacobs, ETN, Pollard. I'll see these guys shuffled in all kinds of directions, and a lot of times lately seeing Pollard as either the first or second off the board, triggering this mini RB tier run. Yeah, I like some of the guys that go ahead of Pollard. Like I do think Derrick Henry, Josh Jacobs, Nick Chubb. I mean, this is one of the takes I've dug my heels in the most, but like Saquon went in the 10, uh, the 10 spot in this draft. I would rather have Hall, Chubb, Henry, Jacobs, Pollard, Bijan, and Eckler than Barkley. I think Barkley going early is one of the biggest mistakes everybody is making, and it happens at every single draft I'm in. And I, Pete, I can't say to see it anymore. I agree with you. I think Barkley's ADP is too rich. I think what I would probably do is slot, like if I uh, release my Pete rankings, which of course stands for uh, pretty enthusiastic, um, uh, trippy um, efficiency. Uh, I don't know. I'm going to have to work on the name. Uh, if I release my Pete rankings, I think I would have. Kenneth Walker and Barkley in kind of their own tier after Eckler and Bijan and Jonathan Taylor. And then, right. But if you want to like make the take that Barkley should be in the Brees Hall, Chubb, Henry tier, I'm, I'm actually there for that combo. See, Tyler saying Chubb over Barkley is just wrong. Sorry. So Chubb was a plus rusher last year. Last year. Barkley was a negative rusher. Uh, Barkley was also a very negative pass catcher. Chubb was a positive pass catcher, despite not a lot of volume. And I get it. Like, I, again, I was writing this up today for Football Outsider, so I did extra work. Barkley is one of six guys last year that had over 20 intended touches per game. So you're basically paying for a volume back, which is fine. 
I just think that goes against everything we talk about in these drafts and these streams and this this kind of content. So if you love Barkley, I get it. I just think that you are now paying that that boomer, that name value price tag on Barkley every single year. And, you know, it's not even a health thing for me. It's just that he wasn't that good. He was like the definition of a mid running back. And because he's Saquon Barkley, people keep spamming him time and time again. We're on the clock. Mike Williams, Hawkinson, Jerry Judy. I'm such a boring value hound. I'm normally taking Mike Williams here, but if you want to uh, pound the table for something else, I'm I'm open to basically anyone here except uh, Najee. I think Williams is my favorite out of this group, so I'll, I'll be willing to go with him, even though it is only a, a one-pick value there, but still a, a slight awoo. One, one nice thing about Mike Williams that I've noticed in some of my drafts lately is Justin Herbert's getting slightly cheaper. I've been able to get Justin Herbert in the early to mid sixth round on some Mike Williams and Keenan teams. So I kind of, that's just like a little bonus of getting uh, a cheaper stack. I've talked about it with Burrow getting much cheaper if you're trying to stack Higgins and Chase. And so that's just another little kind of tiebreaker there for, for grabbing Mike Williams. Yeah, I think that's fair. I look, I, I like Mike Williams a lot. I still think he should be closer to the high 40s than the 40 flat range just because of Keenan Allen likely coming back. But, um, you know, new offense, I think, alone is a buy and a hope there. And I think, again, if we're going to compare guys, like I'd rather take Mike Williams than Debo and DeAndre Hopkins. And for me, even, I think I might go Mike Williams over DJ Moore. Like, I don't think DJ Moore should be 36. Like, that feels a little bit high. Um, Yeah, I don't know. Um. Yeah, it's probably just a little bit rich. One thing I've been thinking about too, and I mean, now that the contest is almost full, like I have started to think a little bit about in this range, like what are some combo of wide receivers um, that a lot of people aren't getting? And based on how these wide receiver ADPs have solidified in a way, I don't mind doing a little bit of reaching just to know like, hey, um, maybe there's not going to be a lot of DJ Moore and Mari Cooper pairings. That's what this guy did. And I actually don't know if that's the case, but I have felt that a little bit. Um, the reason that it got me thinking on it was on an Amon Ra team where I wanted to get Jamison Williams. And I've always like seemed to get sniped on that Detroit double stack. And so I was trying to think of how much would I be willing to reach on JMO to complete that knowing it's a little bit harder of a pairing to get. Jamison Williams, this is going to be a hot take. Jamison Williams, to me, uh, feels kind of like Gabe Davis last year. We're not in the exact same way, but I think people are crowning him a little bit early for this role that hasn't fully fleshed out in the field, and it's a very small sample size thing, so I'll make that caveat here. But I think that Jamison Williams is just a little bit overpriced. Like I think he's going where he should go relative to like maybe how the whole season turns out, but I think he's being treated... I think he's being treated like a commodity and too much of a commodity right now. And I might be wrong. Again, he's coming off an injury last year. He was great against pe- press coverage in college. All those things poured over well. But I like I don't want to reach for Jameson Williams that much just because I feel like he's already steamed up because people are always reaching for Jameson Williams. Here's what I'll say. I think I agree with you that he's maybe slightly steamed. Like he should probably be going in that next tier more with the like Brandon Ayuk, George Pickens, um, Traylon Burks group. But Gabe Davis and JMO as like prospects were just entirely different animals. I mean, Gabe Davis was a fourth round pick. Jamison Williams was a first round pick who went in what the top uh, 20 picks um, played at a big time school. So I don't know. I just think it's a little hard to compare there, but um, I, I see what you're saying with it being a little frothy. We can get your precious Jamison Williams here. We can get Jackson Smith and Jigbo. We can get Kittle Herbert. We got actually a nice little board for us. I would do either JSN or JMO and then see if we can push Herbert falling to us. 
I like JSN more, but I don't draft enough Jameson Williams. And you just talked about wanting to get him with Amon Ross. So who am I to deny Pete's Make-A-Wish? So now the interesting thing here, and this is kind of why I wanted to experiment with it, is like Goff always seems to go off the board like slightly early to my mm. taste. But if you have, you know, hogged the market on Detroit pass catchers, um, can we get him at a more palatable price? Because obviously we want to land Goff with such a big investment on the Lions pass catchers. Also, it seems like we're pretty split here. Chip saying, I haven't liked Jameson's ADP all offseason. Our boy Sammy saying, I usually agree with Spags, but Jay Williams is going to fucking explode if he doesn't get injured, <laughs> but I'm not reaching. I always appreciate Sammy working in a, a well-placed F-bomb each time. Um, I, I don't know. Like, I, I could see both sides of the Jameson Williams equation, but I think that's where, like, if he falls a little bit, great. The issue is I don't think I've ever seen him fall a single time, and I'm now 45 deep in big board drafts, so I, I don't think he's ever going to fall. Yeah, I mean him and him and JSN, like this is the furthest I've seen JSN fall in a long time. Like he just seems to he's the sexiest click of the McLaurin, Lockett, Godwin, Kirk tier. And Jameson even feels sexier. Um, those other guys just seem like such more known commodities where it's easier. Like if you do the whole exercise of could Jamison Williams be a two-three turn pick next year? Could JSN be a two-three turn pick next year? That's an easy story to tell yourself. It's harder to say that for Terry McLaurin, for Tyler Lockett, for Godwin Kirk. So I think they have higher floors, more known commodities, but it is really fun to chase the guys who could be two to three rounds higher next year. Terry McLaurin's still young, right? I think he's in year three or is this year four? Uh, no, he's 27, so he's a little bit older than I thought. I felt like he was 25, 26, which weirdly starts to matter, I guess, when you are doing this as often as we do. Uh, but I do like Terry McLaurin. I'll plant a flag for him because I've actually been taking a little bit of Brissett lately um, just because you get him for free in drafts, and I think he's going to end up starting for Washington at least for the start of the year. So I don't know, but I, I like McLaurin. I'll, I'll plant that flag. Herbert Falls, want to take him? Yeah, let's do it. And this is the exact thing I was just talking about. Um, I'm curious on the board, were we on the opposite side of the Keenan drafter? Did we have him kind of boxed out? Yeah, so Keenan was on the other side. So I think this was a very smart move by us. We grabbed the wide receiver. We knew that um, other than the Eckler drafter, the Eckler drafter could have potentially have wanted to take Herbert there, but I think it was worth the risk. And now you get Herbert basically a round past ADP and you sneak in another top pass catcher. So I, I think that was the, uh, the right move. So where are you falling with this one? DFS are, I think pointing out a thing that a lot of people will observe if they're coming in, especially haven't been drafting these last few months, you come and see the ADPs. Dalvin cook was basically a first round pick last year, I guess maybe a second in some drafts this year. He's a fifth rounder. I actually think he should go a little bit later. I think he should go closer to the seventh round, Pete, because of the fact that he still might be a cap casualty and they could just go with Madison. And Madison did get a contract that's not quite a backup, seems a little bit higher than that. Um, so I think there's a risk there for Dalvin Cook. But uh, would you take him, I guess, if he's going out to 60 spot like he did in this draft? No, uh, we are we're in agreement here. Too much agreement on this stream, uh, apparently. Uh, I think he should be going more in like the Joe Mixon, Javante Williams tier, yep. where it's like, you know what they can do, but there's a lot of risk there. They obviously bring back Alexander Madison. Um, I can certainly see how he could beat that ADP, but man, like even putting him pound for pound against the other guys going right there, like and we see coming off the board, uh, Jameer Gibbs, uh, Aaron Jones, J.K. Dobbins, like, I end up wanting those guys over him, even in like decent, like say like 70th plus percentile outcomes for Dalvin Cook. Obviously, if he hits his 90th, he, he's like a first or second round pick, but I don't know. It's a tough clip for me in that range. 
He's starting to come down a little bit in terms of the per touch ability, certainly less good as a pass catcher last year. And I think, you know, just bringing Madison back does feel uh, like they're at least covering their ass if they do want to cut Dalvin. So I think there's a chance he ends up in that Leonard Fournette tier of guys that just don't have a job and then are waiting around or, you know, the Zeke tier, Leonard Fournette tier of guys that are just waiting for an opening to come. Um, but I think that's the risk profile if you're taking him at 60. So we are on the same page there. Um, do have to talk about Lamar briefly because we did put him on the thumbnail here. The trade rumors floating around here. He goes in the 50 spot. Where is your ideal spot to see him go? Because I was excited to see the Colts being the number one favorite. I think FanDuel's odds had him at plus 250. Um, I think that's one where I've talked a lot about wanting Anthony Richardson to go to the Colts because the Shane Steichen pairing, what he did for Jalen Hurts, theoretically he can do for any running QB with the same kind of schematics. Lamar, though, would be the most elevated version of that, and I think it would be a win for the Ravens if they then took Anthony Richardson in the four-hole. Where do you want Lamar to go, and I guess where should he go if he's going to pay off an ADP in the early 50s, let's say? Uh, I mean, like a lot of people, I think the Falcons would be the most mm. fun. Um, on Monday, we were talking about how I think the Colts from an overall like drama standpoint would be really interesting. Like if they could basically pull off where Lamar goes to the Colts and then the Ravens reboot the franchise with Anthony Richardson, like that to me would just be such a sick kind of storyline there of them moving on to like maybe even a younger, uh, more exciting version of Lamar. Uh, so yeah, but for pure fantasy, um, I do think the Falcons would be pretty fun. Also, Vaporware has a good uh, acronym for you, Pete saying performing excellent to extraordinary. So that'd be the players you could identify. I Thank would also you, say, uh, pedophiles erect to, to engage Jesus spags. <laughs> oh. after all the support I've given to the spags methodology and you try to drag my new, uh, proprietary ranking name through the muck. It's just the first thing that came to mind. It's a brainstorming session, I thought. I thought that was the second part. We're going to do a draft and then a brainstorming session for the Pete rankings. You're disgusting. <laughs> New England has to be the least exciting landing spot and feels very possible. I think they were the number three on FanDuel's board uh, for the odds of Lamar Jackson. I, I don't know how that would happen, but God, I'd, I don't know. I don't trust anything with the Patriots at this point, but I guess Bill O'Brien could maybe get something out of Lamar. Um, I feel like Lamar would go down at ADP if he went to the Patriots. Yeah, and like Lamar, and like don't get me wrong, Lamar right now is far better than Cam Newton when Cam Newton was on the Patriots. But the Cam Newton version of the Patriots was very, very frustrating. Oh yeah, that was yeah, that was one good game, and that was it. All right, we got running backs on the board. We got Dotson we could reach for Quentin Johnston. Um, I'm happy to grab Dotson Johnson or Bateman here, and then see what comes back. Man, I like Dotson, but I, I still believe in Quentin Johnston more as just at least giving you a shot to have that high profile outside receiver. And that's going to beat like a slot guy like Dotson to me. But if we had taken McLaurin, I think McLaurin and Dotson, like a nice little stack that just nobody's getting. Uh, Yeah. And depending on what you do at QB, our guy Sam Howell is still very cheap. So he's always um, a backdoor stack option. Yeah, I, I've been taking Brissett more just because I, I know like the logic that really? by week 17, you could go howl, but like you don't pay a guy $10 million to not play. I don't know. It's just, I, just, I, I, I hate because I try to use like logic on the commander's franchise and how they should handle it. But you're right. Like there's no, there's no luck. But I will say this, Bags, it does feel pretty similar to like the Mariota Ritter thing. And it's like, how can how can you have Brissett play the full season like with and not see what you have in Sam Howell? It just makes no sense. 
I agree, but Howell was a fifth rounder who's kind of short and was a little bit mistake prone. So I think it's a little bit different than like, you know, we got Willis comparing it to the Matt Flynn, Russell Wilson thing. Like Russell Wilson was a third round draft pick who came in and had like a flawless preseason. So if Howell does that, great. I just don't think like, honestly, you dig into the numbers of the Cowboys game. He won it, but like he actually wasn't that good in that game, like even though he won the game. So I think we've kind of been, uh, I would say we've been misdirected about Sam Howell overall as an industry. And I think even the commanders talking about starting him. Like, I think if they're evaluating him, like it's better to go with Brissett. But logic doesn't always win out. And I guess the draft capital couldn't matter, even though it is like he was a fourth or fifth rounder, I think. Yeah. Um, also, we got some good analogy or some good acronyms here. Player Ooh. 50 takes for engagement and pissing wide receivers every time, everywhere. That one's just a lie for you, though. No, I, I love that. That's completely true. Thank you, Willis. Pissing wide receivers, though, really makes it sound like you're just urinating receivers everywhere you go. It is going to be hard on kind of the marketing campaign. I'm going to have to correct a lot of people that pissing wide receiver is one word. You have to actually say it very fast. <laughs> pissing wide receiver, pissing wide receiver. <laughs> like, like, like Beetlejuice. Yeah. Uh, because Javante Williams falling again. I've been I've been coming around on Javante. Like a 78 ADP feels too low for him. This is um one thing I've been thinking about. I'm almost to the point where I'm one of Javante or Samaje in, in every uh draft. Um yeah, I think that's fair. Dude, I, I have no problem taking Jordan Addison at pick 90. Yeah, let's corner the market on these rookie receivers. Why not? I, some positive comps I saw today for Addison. Somebody, I don't know how much I believe you, and I think it was actually the uh, Fantasy Stock Exchange guy who I've been uh, started following recently. He does some game film breakdowns. He did compare Jordan Addison to uh, Jordan Addison to Justin Jefferson, which feels like a bit of a reach, but it was like one of those range of outcomes thing. And he was like, Dotson maybe, or Justin Jefferson. I don't know that I'm buying that, Pete, but it's not a bad thing to get compared to Justin Jefferson. Uh, no, we are definitely in in peak favorable comp uh, season. I I have like everything I've read and seen about Jordan Addison. I have not seen Justin Jefferson within. Also, just like their size is so so different. Like, I mean, if you're gonna do that comp, at least maybe try to comp him to like a smaller guy like Garrett Wilson. <laughs> um, I don't know if I see the uh, the Jefferson stuff, but I do think. My thought on Jordan Addison is I think he's going to be a first-round pick. He's probably going to go to a decent quarterback because he's going to be picked in the latter half of the first round. And my overall take is I think he will be more expensive in the post-draft contest than he is right now. So, like, I want to get my Jordan Addison exposure now in the eighth round because I do think he's going to be a sixth-round pick at least um, come best ball mania. Yeah, I would agree. I think if he lands in the right spot, I've seen Seattle linked him in some mock drafts. He probably goes ahead of Marquise Brown or at least around that range. Um, I think that feels about right to me. I think the board, though, is starting to move around a little bit in a way that I believe in, like Pickens starting to go higher, Watson starting to go higher. I think the board is starting to kind of market correct, like the young guys that are good and have upside. Um, so I think Addison would fit that criteria if he lands anywhere decent. Yeah. Yeah, and I think he... Seattle would be an interesting spot. I don't know if I would love that for him just because Metcalf and Lockett are both so good. And I would want him to at least have a path. I don't think Jordan Addison's profile is like, he's going to be the number one target earner. I would love to see him be like a high end number two, you know, basically a Devonta Smith to someone else's AJ Brown. But if you go to Seahawks and now you're third in the target pecking order. Um, and we know how much Pete Carroll loves to throw the, or uh, run the ball that doesn't seem ideal to me. I'm also, I feel like I'm in the mood just to point out, cause this is what I was writing today. So I feel like I'm in, I'm in the mindset with the rankings and this stuff. Elijah Moore going ahead of Michael Thomas to me and Cortland Sutton. That feels like, 
even that entire round where you have Sutton, Thomas, Addison, Cooks, Bateman, and then Elijah Moore. Elijah Moore stands out like a sore thumb. I do not agree with that ADP, even a little bit. That that seems wild to me. When I saw that, I was going to think, oh, did they just take Deshaun Watson and we're forcing the stack? But they took him unstacked. So, um, yeah, I'm, I am out on eighth round Elijah Moore. Yeah, I don't get that. I just don't think it's an upgrade for him. And I think Peoples Jones and Cooper have their roles. And, you know, look, I, I don't think you should overrate the David Bell part of it like I did last draft where I kind of overthought it. But I just think that there's enough competition for Elijah Moore and he didn't win the job in the, you know on the Jets organization for a reason. Um, I would take Rashad Petty here. Uh, yeah, um, that looks good to me. We don't have any other like stacks. It's a pretty gross range for wide receiver. I definitely prefer Penny to Connor. I'm game. Okay. I mean, James Conner, obviously a great value in certain drafts, like the one we did on Friday. Sometimes you just can't avoid James Conner, knowing that he's going to be on a tanking team that's going to hand the ball off a bunch. Uh, but here, Pete, I think Rashad Penny, pure upside. And I actually like drafting teams that get Rashad Penny, Deonta Foreman, and Damian Harris in them, because I think those three guys, like Penny's obviously come up a lot. You're still not priced where they're going to be in August. And I think that has some value, just like the market not fully catching up with the free agency yet. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair. I mean, I will say I'm I'm never going to be one of the people that are like, oh, Rashad Penny is completely undraftable. But, you know, 70% of the contest, their entries in this contest did get Rashad Penny six, seven, Mm -hmm. eight rounds later. Um, And so it does give me more pause just knowing how long he was available at that later ADP. And so I haven't clicked him since free agency just because i felt like i'd kind of packed my bags i don't think it's bad i don't think you're drawing debt or whatever i just do think it adds a little bit higher degree of difficulty um at that new adp that's fair and i got a lot of penny at the 180 range so i think you know cost adjusted i'm still doing okay with that i think i had 45 percent penny when he was like before free agency and then i've kind of ratcheted down um but i think he's still better to me than jamal williams and kamara Maybe not Charbonnet, depending on the spot that he goes. Uh, Gainwell, I think, too. Like, these guys kind of coming closer, I feel like, is about right. Because Gainwell's felt pretty cheap to me. Because I've got him this week in, like, the 120 range. Yeah, people aren't uh, aren't hot for Kenneth Gainwell. And he kind of floats. There's that range from, what, like, round 10? I, I guess he goes early here. But, like, from round 10 to 12, that's kind of like a weird range right now for running backs. It's kind of desolate. And I have found myself selecting quarterbacks and tight ends in this pocket a good amount just because the wide receiver cliff hits after Sutton. And like I said, there's that running back, you know, zone after Charbonnet comes off the board for me. Um, So yeah, this is just like a weird chunk of the draft. Yeah, I think that's fair. I like getting the rookies if you can get Charbonnet, but Charbonnet just goes a little bit earlier than one. I slam Phil Helmuth in this spot when I don't have a tight end, but if you have something else you like. Uh, I'm not as big on him, but I don't see anything else that leaps out. Like, I don't like Washington. Dylan's okay. Um, yeah, let's do Fairmouth. Why not? Or Phil Helmuth, as some would call him. What, uh, what's your, um, what's your bear case on, or why aren't you say excited at him? Even at ADP, when he fills a positional need outside of that, why are you down on him? I just don't think he has a real ceiling. Like, I think I haven't, I can't even recall. Maybe it's happened, but I don't think there's been a Freermouth 20-point fantasy game. Um, I'm sure we could find that out pretty quickly. Uh, but I think, to me, like I like drafting tight ends that I know at least have the ceiling. So I think Freermouth kind of makes sense, I guess, in our build, where you just want to give a guy who can maybe give you 10 to 15. 
But like for me, he's kind of like a Darren Waller where I'd rather try to get younger guy who can have a ceiling. Um, even if Fearmuth isn't old or anything, I just think Pickens takes a leap this year and I think Johnson's going to be better too. And then, you know, I don't just, I just don't think Fearmuth is like a key part of that offense, I guess would be the best way to say it. Yeah, I, I could see, I mean, I don't think, you know, Pickens ascending is, you know, detrimental per se to Fryermuth. If anything, if like the offense is humming more, I think he would be just a beneficiary of that. And I do think he could be potentially the second, you know, target earner in that offense potentially, um, or even come closer um, to being like a, a 1B alongside Deontay Johnson. I think he's been very good. He's still young. He's improved every year. And if you could get that coinciding with the offense getting better, Kenny Pickett getting better, I think there's some meat on the bone for him to be like, um, I don't know, like a, a round five, round six pick, getting up more into like the Hawkinson, Goddard type tier of how people think about him. Hmm. Let me look up his EPA numbers. because I think that might've been part of why he didn't stand out, but like, to me, I think he grades out as kind of a, a Dalton Schultzy guy where it's, you know, like an okay situation. He's fine. Yeah, 0.07 EPA per target. Um, I have him basically a consensus with ADP, so I'm not taking some hard stand on it. I just, like, don't love him. Like, I, I guess I fall more in love with the rookie tight ends, and I think that sort of has clouded me on the freer moves of the world. But I think he's probably solid at this range, and you can make the case he should go maybe closer to Njoku and Ingram and Waller. Yeah, and I should say it's not like uh, I'm probably only slightly over the field on him. It just seems like an easy click to me in this draft room where we need a tight end. There's a gap in talent, and I do think there's some upside on the bone. Shout out to Sammy, by the way, getting people fired up in chat. Our guy Donovan and Sammy gets everybody fired up. I could tell the amount of exclamation points definitely doing it for me. I also got to put in our plug right now, guys. Make sure you are subscribed to Splash Play. Of course, hit the like button. Leave a comment down below if you're watching after the fact. Pete and I will be drafting teams all spring, all summer long. Fantasy football all year round here on Splash Play. We'll also have some guests on, do some information gathering. Lots of great stuff here, but do it because we care about fantasy football as much as you do because you are watching a stream at the end of March about a best ball draft. Um, I like our team though. So far, we got a one, two, six, one feels like we do need to get another QB in. We'll have some options there. Jalen Hyatt's still available. If we want to keep spamming some rookies. Wait a second. Did we miss out on golf? Which asshole took golf unstacked? Uh, DeMart, DeMart, Dr. Oh. Mark Strand, of course, the Seinfeld. Bar. God. Yeah. That, with a bunch that of running stings. backs. <laughs> uh, golf at one twenty-five. Did he literally just take him two picks ahead of us? Yes, he did. That's very gross. I am tilting. Let's take Joshua Palmer and get the double stack. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, I like Hyatt here. I don't want to assume that he goes to the Chargers, though. Ugh. I'm that. I, I'm really disgusted. I mean, dude, come on, dude. Dude, it happens every draft, though. Like, I, I think that people just take quarterbacks because they're there, and um, I hope that changes by best ball mania. And I'm hoping it's like a big board thing, but I have seen that happen more in this big board than. At any point last season, besides when you were in one of those rooms where a guy takes like 10 quarterbacks for no reason. Well, and the thing is for me, um, the reason it tilts me isn't that I'm even like Jared Goff is not the kind of quarterback I want to take unstacked. Like if I'm this guy, I'm now waiting. I'm looking at, yes, uh, the Trey Lance, the Anthony Richardsons. I'm looking at the rookies, you know, Bryce Young, CJ Stroud in that range or trying to backdoor stack something cheaper. Um, I just don't get why you pay ADP for an unstacked Jared Goff. He doesn't have DeAndre Swift, does he? Does he have a single lion on his team? I don't think he did. Uh, hold on, let me go back. He's got nope, not a single lion. Yeah, that that's more lion than Hawkinson, though. So he's got that. Tilting. <laughs> yeah, four for lion. 
so one question here, shout out to the chat as well. Matt saying nothing, nothing uh, says best ball season like tilting when you miss out on Jared Goff. That is also very much true. And people actually want Jared Goff this year. Um, people asking us about the Brock Purdy ADP. There was a report, I guess, of uh, John Gypsy Lynch. isn't, just real quick, he's not asking that in good faith, but we can indulge him. Okay, so, well, it did come out that uh, John Lynch gave a quote saying that Brock Purdy is a leader in the clubhouse. Uh, the start for the Niners wasn't the most flowery about Trey Lance. Uh, that's led to some of the people who do the, you know, the tea leaves reading on Twitter, posting a lot of threads about why Trey Lance is overvalued and all that. How do you feel about it? Is Trey Lance overvalued? We just saw him go in the 104 spot here. I've had some reluctance taking him, but I still take him. And it does make me feel like I should maybe at least be just like the 8% with the field on him. So here's here's my take. Uh, I do not think the John Lynch quote like actually changes anything, but I do know it will change Trey Lance's price in drafts, and he has been falling, except in this draft. Like taking Trey Lance at 104 after that report, just in conjunction with where he's going in other rooms, is crazy. Um, he is now going to be falling routinely more into that rookie quarterback range. So he's there with the Strouds, the Richardsons, the Bryce Youngs. Um, I'm mad because my closing line value on him is going to be awful, but I actually don't think the quote has changed anything because the whole bet on Trey Lance is that Purdy isn't going to be ready and that everyone's way too optimistic about his return timeline. And then you're going to have Trey Lance for Sam Darnold. And if Trey Lance can't beat out Sam Darnold, then like GG's to all of us. And I will take my L and dig my grave, but I actually don't think anything's changed from that quote. All right, that's fair. We're on the clock here. We got two running backs, so we do need some, but this is a bad running back range. Okay. I, I like going I like going to tight end, um, like Chig or Dolchich. Um, I think would be fun if do you have any other takes? No, I, I think I'll go Dolchich over Chig just because I don't I don't trust the Chig Traylon Burke stuff where Chig really wasn't useful whenever Burks was out there. And I don't expect the volume to go up a bunch with no coaching changes for Tennessee. Uh, but Dulcich, there's a shot he could be, you know, maybe have one of those outlier vintage Sean Payton Saints side on yours. You don't need a Dulcich take. All you have to say is what if the Chargers play Denver week 17 and now we got our bring back. <laughs> so here's the thing, too. I mentioned I like New Orleans stacks a little bit. And I was thinking about it today. There's at least like a 50% shot that the Saints play in the Superdome with Derek Carr and like a loaded pass game in a game that matters in the NFC South. I think Saints stacks are undervalued. I know I've been beating the Michael Thomas drum a little bit, but the Rashid Shahid one too, I'll beat. Uh, Chris Olave is probably appropriately priced, maybe a little bit overpriced. But I think the Saints are one of my favorite low-owned stacks to have right now. And I could be completely wrong about it. Carr could be washed, but he got big money. So we're at least going to try. He'll be out there. Yeah, they uh, they are cheap. Um, yeah, I mean, outside of Olave, everything is, is very cheap. Jawan Johnson is cheap. I, I prefer, uh, Jawan Johnson to Taysom Hill, but I know the Taysom Hill slappies are still out there, uh, drafting him, but yeah, I, I'm with you. I think it's basically Derek Carr just running it back. Very, I would, I would say comparable weapons to what he had in Las Vegas, but now you're going to get the dome games and a much worse division. So yeah, I, I'm with you. I like the Saints stuff. Like Derek Carr, sorry, like Jared Goff, people seem to really like selecting Derek Carr. Um, you know, maybe a little bit earlier than I would generally want, but I'm with you. Like this guy got uh Kamara. Did he also get Olave? He looks like he's in the pocket of the draft where he could have gotten Olave. Let's see. He got Carr, Kamara, Michael Thomas, and Olave. Oh, he got the full he, stack. Yeah, so he just onslaughted it. Um yeah, which at, at cost isn't isn't awful. And he talks tax on Jawan Johnson. So this is one of those things um, where I think this is really good strategy for like 
your macro and just advancing to the playoffs. Like if the saints are an ascending offense and have a great year, like this is going to work out very well for you, but then you are one bad saints game across week 15, 16, 17 of your entire team imploding. And so the way these tournaments are structured, I don't really love the like full blown onslaughts. Yeah, I, I could see that. I think that there is a little bit of a, an overstacking there. Though I did look at some of my top performing lineups last year when we were like going through that, and I was surprised at how many like what I would have thought might be a little bit overstacked teams were there, especially Bengals being overstacked. Um, we're on the clock though, so we could talk more about that in a sec. Uh, God, I think we take Anthony Richardson. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm down. I mean, I would be down for Bryce Young or Richardson, but Richardson is uh, obviously the funner click. He is, he is my crush. So I didn't even tell you this. Um, I'm so in Anthony Richardson that I started a Madden franchise within the last week uh, just to skip a year and import Anthony Richardson and do that. Um, and it's been a great time. We, we made the Super Bowl, lost in the Super Bowl, but it's really a lot of fun in a video game. So I have to assume it's going to be the same for fantasy football. Yeah. I mean, you know what was interesting and kind of just how hype in the markets work, which is so funny, is like, you know, Anthony Richardson was really cheap when best ball or the big board opened up. You know, he was free for a while. Um, then you and Pat kind of steamed him up into like the 16th, 17th round. Then the combine happens and people were taking him. Like there's the one infamous screenshot of when he went in the fourth round, but he was going in like the 10th and 11th uh, rounds after that happened. And now he's like settled back down again. Um, I don't know if it's people finally started looking at his like success rate and completion rate like numbers and we're like, wait, maybe we should hold off. But I still find this price here around, what did he go? One, what do we take him? 151? Yep. Um, I think that's a perfectly fair price. And I do love pairing Richardson with like a top six quarterback. So Hertz with Richardson, Josh Allen, Richardson, or Herbert with Richardson. Like obviously you can do Richardson in three quarterback builds as well, but just having him knowing that it's either going to just supercharge your quarterback room, or if not, you're going to be largely relying on your top six QB anyways. I think that makes a ton of sense. Yeah, I'm very excited about Richardson, and I'm glad to see Tanner's apparently been doing the same thing. So I'm not alone in my next-level dorkiness of trying to just get a feel for a player by playing Madden. But tell you what, you draft him in that draft class, uh, the default one that comes up on Madden. Oh, boy, that guy is an elite burner. Um, terribly inaccurate, though, which makes it for <laughs> actually kind of a fun game because you can't just completely cheese it. you got to actually earn it with some, some smart routes, just like Shane Steichen will if he's coaching Richardson. Yeah, I mean, the thing is to, um, you know, like um, one of the things about Richardson and I think like looking at some benchmarks and so there's a Dwayne uh, McFarlane had written this up in some of his fantasy life pieces. He said, Cam Newton had 315 fantasy points with only 3,300 passing yards in 2017. And then last year fields had 309 fantasy points with only 2000 or 2,242 yards through the air. So like the Richardson stuff, we're hanging our hat on the rushing, right? That's like why we're getting excited. Um, what do you see here? I would reach for Roshan now because I think he's more likely to get a day one role than Tucker because we are desperately thin at running back with Pollard and Penny. Um, I'm fine with that. Yeah, I think Sean Tucker did perform well at his self-clocked combine, but I don't think I don't think he can go. I don't think he should go here. And I think we can get some other late running backs. There's one coming up that I'm hoping will fall to us, but that might be tough. Uh, yeah. ANS comedy says, are y'all trying to project where these rookie quarterbacks are going? So you can stack. I've been assuming Bryce young to the Texans and have been doing mm -hmm. some of the stacks there. But honestly, after that, I haven't really been messing with it. I've done some CJ Stroud. 
um, to the cold, but like in my head and I don't know, it just all falls apart really quickly when you think of all the possible permutations. So I don't know about you spec, but Bryce young has been the only one I've been like semi-confidently stacking. I mean, on Friday, I was really anchoring myself to the CJ Stroud Panther stack. So I think that's one that I'm certainly willing to go to, but I do think you are trying to thread a needle that could be incorrect with that. Um, it's still possible Bryce Young to be the first overall pick. I'm with Pete. I think it's going to be number one Stroud, number two Bryce Young, and then Richardson goes four, um, I guess, either to the Colts or the Ravens if they somehow traded for Lamar. Uh, but I think that's the one that if you wanted to stack, I would try to stack with that way. But you just can't be surprised if you're wrong about it because like that's, you know, that's the risk of what you're doing, basically. Yeah. <laughs> this guy Goff really irks Pete. This, this Goff guy apparently – uh, did he draft more quarterbacks? No, it's a different guy. He, he hasn't done anything that's tilted me since Goff. He, he's more than welcome to take Adam Thielen in the 13th round. Good luck with that. Adam Thielen should not go ahead of Terrace Marshall was another thing that I landed on today. I don't know why Terrace Marshall was coming up and then he started to go back down because they signed Thielen and Chark. And I just don't think that should be the case. Thielen is certainly more washed than not. And Chark is fine, but he's not going to like take a whole target share away from Terrace Marshall. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when you, when you have those rooms like that, that are so jumbled up. I, I, I do think you just want to play it through the cheaper guy. Um, mm -hmm. And that's what DJ Chark and, and Terrace Marshall and dare I say it, LaVisca Chanel. Uh, Tanner, by the way, took the guy that I was kind of a soft shoe and Devin Singletary, I think is still a nice value, especially compared to where Damian Pierce is going, where his ADP is not caught up with the fact Singletary is signed. Uh, Singletary is probably the only free agent back uh, who signed somewhere that has not been properly priced up for moving. So I think that's a good steal by Tanner there. What's our structure right now? What's our number? We are a two, three, seven, two. And we need to make some, make up some ground at running back is really our, our biggest uh, positional deficiency right now. Yeah. I mean, we'll have, we'll have one of those Patriot backs we can do late. Well, there's going to be some floating around out there that I think we can hit, but we definitely are a little thinner at running back than I would have liked. Cause I think we didn't end up in an avalanche room. I think we ended up in a running back room. Uh, yeah, this, you know, this, this has actually felt like one of the softer rooms, just looking at some of the selections and the constructions, people reaching a lot ahead of ADP, not kind of factoring in some of the market movements, like the Lance thing. Um, you saw Jalen Hurts go at 2-1. Um, this has been a weird room. Yeah, I agree. Um, so Chip asking, so Richardson was underused at Florida's our excuse. He wasn't underused. I don't think he was schemed the best way because he actually was very good at throwing deep balls, but he was terrible at short routes and intermediate routes. So to me, that says you go with somebody who's going to scheme him up better and give him some better opportunities to throw the ball. That's what your hope is. Um, okay, we have Sean Tucker. Let's look at running backs. We got Tucker, Fournette, Bigsby. This is an ugly area. Tucker is an okay value at this point if you wanted to take him. Yeah, I... I, at this point, I'm just loading up on these, uh, yeah. on these rookies and spraying and praying to me, like the thing, the reason I was reading the Cam Newton and the Justin Field stuff is it was like, it literally doesn't matter if he's bad at throwing, if he's running a ton, like they Lamar Jackson's rookie year when he took over and it was like the last four to five weeks, he was averaging 20 points a game and was not even throwing at all. Like the throwing stuff is pure gravy and if it just clicks, even if he's just like a slightly competent passer, it is going to be a rocket fuel for his fantasy value in the same way it was with Justin Fields. So it doesn't really matter that that Richardson isn't some polished prospect. I mean, if he was, he would be 
the best quarterback prospect of all time. And like he would be the undisputed number one pick. So the fact you're getting him later and this far down, I think speaks to the uncertainty with his throwing ability. Yeah. And his numbers in college were just weird where he had a negative 0.4 EPA on throws under 10 air yards. So like basically the short throws, he was really terrible in and the guys were just getting stopped or he wasn't completing it. Um, but he was good on deep balls had a 42% completion rate 0.78 EPA per throw. So like Richardson does grade out well. And it, honestly, to me, like this has been the one thing I've gotten really right in my career that I still get compliments from some of my old stochastic friends. But, like I picked Josh Allen to be a guy in his rookie year when everybody was really down on him after he was coming off the injury. Then he went off towards the end of the season. Cause like he basically just throws deep balls and runs the ball. That's what Richardson does. And he does it well. So I think ultimately if you're trying to derive like, what can be the upside of this quarterback? If a guy does those two things and does it against quality competition, he's going to have an upside. Obviously, Allen didn't play quality competition in college, but I think that's where like Richardson is going to be safe is that he's going to be volatile. Like if he gets picked on those deep throws, he's absolutely screwed, but he's going to run enough like Pete's talking about. And if he hits one or two of those deep throws, like that's a, a round game. Even if he actually played terribly in real life. Yeah. And I, and I do think he will be a day one starter. Ann's comedy is asking like, he he's basically going to have to be because he's probably going to the top five. So with the draft capital and the fact that you want him to improve right away, I think he starts day one. And if not, I think there's no chance he isn't starting by week 17 unless he's hurt. Yeah. I think it's like most, you know, there are some spots. If he goes top five, I think he'll be a day one starter. I think if he's five to 10, there's some, you know, uh, you saw a lot of mocks that had the Seahawks taking Richardson. Mm-hmm. I do think Gino would be the day one starter in Richardson would be, they would be treating him like a project or whatever. Um, but I, I think the smart money is there's a greater than 50% chance. He's a day one starter. Yeah. I think you just want to get him out there, let him make the mistakes and benefit from it. Um, all right. We got a two, four, seven, two. Do you want to take another running back here? Or do you want to take a good player in Terrace Marshall? Um, Hmm. Unless you want to talk me into like galaxy brain, Anthony Richardson to Terrace Marshall, we should probably just keep taking running backs. Bigsby Patterson Evans. I've been selecting Evans or Carter in this spot, but do you have any takes? I don't I don't have much for Carter. I'll, I'll take Evans. He's at least a little bit of a mystery box, whereas I feel like I've dug my heels in on Bigsby, even though like Bigsby can land somewhere and he'll be like Bigsby and Evans are basically the same player. I have not uh, selected uh, Bigsby at all. You guys have successfully uh, browbeat me into not wanting to click him. He's not very good, but I, I think, you know, honestly, in this range, like we missed out on the Ty J Spears here. We missed out on the Charbonnets here. All these guys are just kind of not good at this point. It's a matter of just who's going to land somewhere that likes him. And I guess but logically, like Bigsby could land somewhere that likes him. I just don't think the numbers were tremendously good. Yeah. Um, let's see. What was the take on Mahomes when he was a rookie at this time? I think people just assumed he wasn't going to play. I know the college prospects on him were pretty low because he had like a lot of turnovers and wasn't wasn't a winner in college, which is one of the things people point to, which doesn't really matter. Uh, but do you remember anything specific about Mahomes? I feel like it was just people were excited when he was playing at the end of that Alex Smith campaign, but that's all I remember. He he was one of those guys that was like, I think people knew that he had a monster ceiling as a prospect, but all thought of him as like a project. And even the Chiefs mm-hmm. kind of drafted him as a, as a project there. So um, I don't know if it's, perfectly comparable and also Mahomes was just a much much better passer and Richardson is just this physical freak I mean Mahomes doesn't have the athleticism no one has the athleticism that Richardson does so I don't know I guess it's kind of interesting um, but I think it's apples to oranges 
Yeah, Mahomes also went a little bit later, too, so there wasn't going to be that pressure to put him on the field, which Richardson might get. Uh, so there's definitely some differences there. But, yeah, people were down to Mahomes. And whenever people point to you, like, college wins, I think that tends to tell uh, what they're viewing and how you probably shouldn't take their opinions that seriously because college wins, to me, are the least important thing, especially for NFL people. They're even less important than they are for me. Yeah. Uh, all right, we're coming up again. We still need running backs. Tank Bigsby <laughs> still lurks. Uh, Robinson lurks. Chase Brown. We'll, we'll get some. We'll get enough running backs here. But boy, this is a. We need Pollard and Penny to really be outliers. Um. Yeah, we're fine. I think we'll make up for it with volume. I mean, our wide receiver room is good. Our tight end room is good. Quarterback's good. Like, I think we can just attack running back with volume. All right. So, Bigsby or James Robinson? Um, I, I hate James Robinson. I think he's undraftable. Um, so if you're making me choose between, I, I would prefer Hubbard or Chase Brown or Jerome Ford. Um, that's the tier. Um, okay. I'll I'll do Jerome Ford because I think Brown might still lurk around a little bit longer and Ford, I think is going to have a role. James Robinson had this storybook season for the Jags as a rookie. Um, they let him go for peanuts in a trade to the Jets, and then he couldn't even sniff the field on one of the weakest depth charts in the league after Brees Hall went down. Couldn't beat out, what, UDFA, Zonovan Knight for touches? Like, why is there any enthusiasm for James Robinson? Like, I mean, he's had multiple chances and hasn't been able to sniff the field. Multiple teams evaluating him saying he's not good enough to play right now. I think it's just the Belichick of it all that we like what we talked about the Jonas Gray uh, parable of like Belichick could force anybody 30 touches and that's going to be it. But numerically, I'm with you like Robinson, a negative 22% rush DVOA last year, negative 0.15 per rush uh, EPA as well. Only a 10% avoided tackle rate. So like he didn't do anything well that you would look at as being a sign that he's a, a superior player, some could say, uh, but it could be a great spot, Pete. And that's the thing that, you know, is, you need certain rankings to tell you. <laughs> yeah i'm just uh i'm not by i think people are drawing too much of like a one-for-one line from like damian harris to um to robinson and it like ignores so many factors one it uh, ignores Ramondre just growing into an even bigger role it ignores pierre strong being better than james robinson and it ignores the chance that the patriots could easily draft another big back in rounds four or five, like over the years, the Patriots have always taken like a spray and pray approach to running back. There was the year they did the, the Shane Vereen uh, thing. They did the, uh, the James white thing. Like they love loading up and taking flyers on these backs. And so I would be pretty surprised if they didn't add another big back who immediately would usurp James Robinson as the preferred goal line guy. See, what if they don't add a big back and they add like a Jameer Gibbs and then it's just like they're trying to get the pass catching production, which I think would be interesting for the Patriots. But I think then that makes Robinson slash Pierre strong. I slash maybe I mean, Ramondre gets less valuable, but like I think it makes those guys a little bit more valuable because like they'll get more goal line looks theoretically. I think that would be disastrous for everyone except Ramondre. If they draft a guy like Jameer Gibbs, then like now you have two super talented running backs and you can't afford to give the ball to anyone else other than Gibbs and Stevenson. Is it Rojo time? Um, I'm always down for uh, a little Rojo. Okay. I can't, I can't believe we're back on this. I have to point out one thing. I think the Dearness Johnson steam is incorrect. I think it's Snoop Connor who's going to have the role that people want Dearness Johnson to have. And I think he's what you're talking about as well, where it's like, ah, oh, remember when Dearness Johnson was good? Remember his salad days and everybody wants it to happen again? And that's a guy that did not get a role in Cleveland last year, did not find a trade partner last year. Now he's going to go to Jacksonville and be somebody that matters on a one-year deal. I don't think so. Like I think they drafted Snoop Connor for a reason. 
So I think Dearness Johnson is one of the mistakes that's happening like right now in real time. One other point about Ronald Jones, and I know it's a bit, and like for everything we know, Ronald Jones sucks. Um, however, um, one bonus is the flip side to the Rashad Penny thing is the majority of this contest, Ronald Jones was not getting drafted. You know, he wasn't even remotely on the radar. People weren't taking flyers on him as a potential chief. Like it wasn't happening. And so that's attractive to me that you're getting a guy late that could just reasonably be the the direct handcuff or be one injury away from getting 10 plus touches in a run heavy Cowboys offense and not on the majority of teams in this contest. So Jones is still a relatively easy sell to me at this cost. Yeah, normally I wouldn't want the handcuffing either, but I think that the fact that he's going this late and, you know, we saw last year, like Zeke did have some usable games, at least in a best ball format when Pollard uh, was still active. And I think that could be the case this year. And, and there is still, I think, you know, maybe not 50, 50, but 25, 75% chance that Rojo actually just gets the Zeke role and gets 15 touches that just happen to run into the line time after time again, or at least give him a shot. So I think Rojo's got a couple outs, and I I don't I hate the Rojo Pollard pairing less than I would hate a lot of you know one A one B running back pairings. Um, let's see, Vaporware, do another live draft. Let's piss some yellow before this contest closes. I cannot. I'm actually hopping over here in uh, in the next couple of minutes to do a Q and A in the Fantasy Life Discord. I'll be in the Best Ball channel, so if you do want to talk some more Best Ball with me, you can find me over there. Um, Spax and I will have to decide what we're going to do Friday, but I'm guessing. Mm -hmm this contest is going to be full by Friday. Yeah, the big board, I feel like there's enough time where they could do a returns potentially before Friday. I don't, I mean, you know these well, things more than I do. All the rumor on the street is that we're going to get a super flex version here. That's the that's oh. the hot rumor. We get, uh, I know people love super flex. I have not fallen in love with super flex like I have kind of general best ball. Um, I'm with you. The super flex contest last year wasn't quite as fun to me, but... I don't know. There's some intrigue to me this year with getting this influx of rookie quarterbacks, also already seeing the meta where these quarterbacks are going early in one QB. Um, I don't know. I think it could be fun to navigate a little bit. It's nice just to have a slightly different puzzle to uh, attack here. So I'm not going to kick a contest out of bed for eating crackers. Uh, <laughs> and Willis loves Superflex. So ultimately, that's what matters. But yeah, I think it'll be fun to do a stream on it. I know people were curious about Superflex last year because we did one like explaining Superflex video that had done pretty well. So if that's the case, we'll do it. But I, I will say, like, I just don't binge Superflex drafts like I do kind of general ones. Um, on yeah. the clock again, all the same running backs are here. How about now for James Robinson? <laughs> no, I take Pierre Strong over James Robinson. Do you have any takes on like Evan Hole or Dwayne McBride? Evan Hull's had some steam. I like McBride more, but I think there was more senior bowl buzz around Hull. Yeah. I don't and mind it, I mean, either, too. Yeah. Any of yeah. those are, are fine with me. I'm not selecting James fucking Robinson. All right, let's do Pierre Strong. I have enough Pierre Strong, but I'll take one more share here if you prefer. Um, 2872. Um, I kind of like how we made up for our lack of quality running back production and just throwing a ton of darts at these rookies. And if we can just hit on one Damian Pierce or one Tyler Algier out of this group um, will be in good shape. Hmm. Who would be the Tyler Algier out of this group? I think it would be Roshan out of the grouping. Profile-wise, um, they're kind of similar, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I think Algier had more as a pass-catching back than Roshan did. Um, yeah, Roshan was okay in terms of getting targets, but was actually a pretty poor EPA guy, whereas Algier was pretty good at everything, but also played lesser competition. 
Um, so I don't know. But Algier, though, I wish we had gotten him in this draft. I would have felt really good about this team. <laughs> I love Algier, man. I have him ranked 20 spots ahead of ADP. 20 spots? I, I think he's high 60s, and I think right now he's uh, low 80s. I have the him, I only... So I don't think that's wrong if you settle there post-draft, but I would be very, very cautious heading into this draft. I mean, there's already some smoke that the Falcons would consider Bijan eighth overall. And if there's an, if there's a running back or a coach outside of Pete Carroll, who would be pounding the table for a running back early, isn't it not Arthur Smith? So I would just be very careful about a bomb going off in that backfield. I agree, but I think where I still think he's worth that price tag, if he's getting 15 touches a game, let's say like 15 to under 20, um, I think it's going to be, that's like the one a role in this backfield and there's a one B. Uh, but for Paul asking, why do I like him so much? He's got a high avoided tackle rate. He has a high EPA on run plays and pass plays. So he checks every box that I look for. Can you do a little bit of everything? And that's why he kind of earned the role down the course of last season was that a, they just kept feeding him the ball, but B he was good every time they gave him the ball. So that's where I, I hate, I'm, I'm not doing this for the bit. I'm not doing this to troll Pete. That's where superior players meet great spots when they're feeding you the ball a bunch and you're good at all the different things. And I think that's where Algier stands out. And he got a thousand yards last year. Like that's crazy for a rookie that nobody cared about. Um, I just, I, I feel like I'm in an episode of it's always sunny uh, with this bag. Like you feel like Dennis, like who came up <laughs> with his own fantasy methodology. Every time you say it, I can't take you seriously. Seduce, penetrate and get <laughs> yeah. supper. <laughs> The All right, we're on the clock again. Um, we got Hull, McBride, Spiller, who could get a role with uh, Eckler's uncertainty. Or do we want to take a receiver? Um, or a tight end. What you know? I don't. I, I've been taking Tillman a little bit. Do you still think he's a interesting rookie flyer here? Yeah, I think his price tag hasn't come up like Mims, so I, I take him too. Um, he's actually come down a little bit, but. Yeah, Tillman's still a big-bodied guy. Same concerns as Jalen Hyatt, where he was part of that gimmicky Tennessee offense, but was really good the year before last, and this year kind of got left behind as a result of that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> running back pig spags, new year, new spags. I'm not a running back pig. This is not running back piggery to draft him in the 15th round. <laughs> Incorrect. How do you feel about the CMP? What's the final grade? 2882, Herbert, Anthony Richardson at QB, Pollard, Penny, Roshan, Sean Tucker, Zach Evans, Ford, Ronald Jones, Pierre Strong at running back. Receiver, we got Cup, Amon Ra, Mike Williams, Jameson Williams, Quinton Johnston, Jordan Addison, Josh Palmer, and closing it out with Cedric Tillman. And then a tight end, Freermuth and Dulcich, which I think excites me the least. Um, I think I, I like this team. I, I do think we had a luxury pick at the end. Like if there was a quarterback who fell that we liked, or even a third tight end, I think we probably could have done that just based on how much we hammered wide receiver early, but I have no problem tacking on Tillman and yeah, we're, we're very rookie heavy, but again, I think a lot of these guys are as cheap as they're going to get before the NFL draft. And so I don't mind a rookie heavy approach in the big board. All right, so there we go. So there's our team. Uh, let me let me pull out here. Actually, I can't. Well, can I label it right now? Mm -mm -mm. No, now it's back. All right, I'm gonna label this real fast. Pete, give the people the plugs again for the Deposit Kingdom Discord as I switch us back to the other backdrop. 
Uh, yeah, I'm heading over to the uh, the Fantasy Life Discord right now to talk best ball. If oh, you guys right. want to uh, join me there, Spags and I, uh, of course, will be back on Friday, maybe with a guest, maybe with a draft. We'll have to find that out. We got the club at 4.30, going to talk some NBA, um, maybe do some NBA dailies or uh, a dance draft there. Swolecast is back uh, tomorrow at 1.30. Oh, on, here, this is relevant to this crew too. Tomorrow on Ship Chasing, we're going to do a, a dynasty mock draft. So we're going to get uh, JJ, uh, Zacharyson, Ron Stewart, a uh, really sharp dynasty player, has a great YouTube channel, and Blair Andrews from Rotoviz. And we're going to do a couple round mock draft uh, on ship chasing there, more from the dynasty angle as opposed to the uh, the best ball street. So if you guys want to talk more rookies, a lot of those guys are really deep in the weeds on it. So that should be a fun combo. So go check that out. Of course, follow me at Chris Spags. Follow Pete at Peter Overzet. Follow the show at Splash Play Pod. And check out tomorrow, Football Outsiders. I'll have a column up there talking about my most overvalued players. You won't be surprised to see Saquon Barkley part of that. You may be surprised to see the other positions I have in there. So check that out. And the Spags rankings as well will be coming out on Football Outsiders tomorrow. So get in the mix. FootballOutsiders.com slash subscribe. Pete and I will be back on Friday. So we will see you guys then. Enjoy your weeks. Good luck. <laughs>